0: Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Romans and chapter 12. Um, Last week, we started a a short three-part series um, on relationships. And uh, we're going to be on part two of that this morning. But we talked about last week that God designed us to be social beings. Uh, and and again, I, I don't want to uh, beat a dead horse, but it it is we are seeing the results uh, of of that need for social interaction more today than I think we have in many many years, um, just because of the of the COVID situation and all and the, the the lack of contact that we've had with people. It is it is making the, the, the obvious more obvious, that we need each other. And uh, so g- that's how God designed us. So if he designed us, then he knows how relationships should work. And uh, we, we talked about it last week that obviously the best way to know that is to turn to the Word of God for advice on, on godly and good relationships. If our relationships are built on the right foundation, then our friends and family will be a stabilizing force in our lives. The understood truth of that truth is that if we do not build our relationships on solid foundations, then when the going gets tough and life happens so to speak then we are on our own and i'll tell you what that's a horrible place to be striving together in our relationships part two really creative title huh (laughs) let's start reading in in uh, romans chapter 12 and verse 9 let your let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to to another, with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, uh, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. Continue um, in stead. Instant, excuse me. Instant in prayer, uh, distributing to the necessity of saints, given a hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise uh, in your own uh, conceit. Concede to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and <clears throat> for the work that you do in our lives, you are, you are the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And Lord, we struggle, each and every one of us. We we struggle in our relationships with with people. And Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom, and that you would give us the tools that we need to uh, be able to manage the complex. Of relationships that often come our way. And Lord, we just ask for wisdom, we ask for strength. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you would would admit or, or agree with me that r- relationships can be complex? Okay, yes. <laughs> we all We all have those, do we not? And <clears throat> In the 13 verses that we just read, again, we talked about this uh, last week, Uh, God gives us 31 directives on how to manage, if you would, proper and good or godly relationships. He gives us 23 do's and 8 don'ts. These directives uh, can be broken down into three categories. Last week we talked about the first category, and that is, Our personal character. Now, oftentimes, we get into a relationship. um, It it can be a spousal relationship. It can be just a friend relationship. It can be any kind of relationship. But oftentimes, we'll get into a relationship. And when there is conflict or problems in that relationship, it is easy for us to, to place blame on the other person. More often than not, the blame belongs to us. And we talked about that last week. We um, spent, well, and I'll I'll cap it in here in a minute, but this week we're going to talk about category number two. And that is our outward behavior. Uh, He gives us, and we'll we'll talk about this again as, as the message progresses, but he gives us four um, tools, if you would, on how to build good relationships. <clears throat> <clears throat> when our character, the first, the first last week's lesson, when our character aligns with God's design and we use the tools that God's given us, we can have healthy relationships with other people. Now, the, the category we're going to talk about next week is our response when things go wrong. And they will go wrong, no matter how hard we try. Um, relationships just do that. But our response is critical to our level of of relationship, if you would. <clears throat> you cannot control what other people think say and do, but you can control what you think say and do. <clears throat> and so often, we react when a something in a relationship goes south we we end up reacting instead of thoughtfully responding I don't know about you but you know when something like that happens boy I just want to I want to just react that that's just how we are but we need to learn how to respond and not react <clears throat> Last week, the points last week was right character. We we saw that letter A was, uh, am I sincere? The second uh, characteristic that we talked about was, do I have pure motives? The, the third characteristic was, am I dependable? And then the fourth characteristic is, that we talked about is, am I resilient? This morning, we're going to be, again, talking about the second category there, and it is point number two, right behavior, right behavior. Now, I want to I talk about this because it is no accident that these categories are progressive. Okay, uh, what, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this, behavior is a byproduct of character. So if you have a flaw in your character, you're going to have a flaw in your behavior. So God deals with our character first. Then he deals with our behavior. Next week, we're going to talk about our responses. So, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Again, our response... comes from our character or from our hearts. Solomon, when writing the book of Proverbs, understood that whatever is in your heart, whatever is in your character, is how you are going to act. Eat and drink, saith he, but his heart is not with thee. So, we're going to look at four behaviors that are identified through uh, verses 13 to 16. The first characteristic or the first tool in our toolbox, if you would, is generosity. Uh, Let's talk about generosity for a few minutes. Uh, Look at verse 13 in our passage here. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. There is one important element in generosity that we often overlook. And that is in order to be generous or in order to exhibit the tool of generosity we have to know about the need. I mean that's kind of a that's one of those duh But if you're not interacting with people, you can't know the need. Or if you are not interacting with people, other people can't know the needs in your life. So interaction is a key part of generosity that we just, kind of take for granted but oftentimes if we don't know what's going on in someone's life it's like it's like occasionally and and this happened just in the last <clears throat> couple of weeks i get a i get a text or a phone call from somebody and they, and 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 the, and the response is oh by the way uh i was in the hospital really and you didn't tell me see god has called his people and the context of this passage is is uh, other believers we are called to look out for one another so if we get sick or we're having difficulty somehow it is up to the family of believers to reach out and to be a blessing during that difficult time. But we live in a world today of independence. So, oh, I, I got this, Pastor. We, no, don't, don't worry, we, I got this. That's not God's design. God's design is for us to swallow our stinking pride and say, I need help. Now, I heard a lot of laughs in there, because you're all guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? Now, I want you to stop and think about this. What exactly is involved in generosity? Now, right off the right off the, the cuff, oftentimes <clears throat> we would define generosity by giving financially to meet a need in someone's life. That that's normally where we where we would categorize generosity. But in reality, generosity is so much more than that. Generosity would include financial help. But more importantly, generosity involves investing time, just sitting down and listening when somebody's hurting. being willing to do something that doesn't involve money, but maybe just a little bit of elbow grease. I don't know where that phrase ever came from, but that makes no sense. Because you don't grease your elbow. Anyway, um, I've heard of people with arthritis spraying WD-40 on it, maybe that's, I don't know. but I wouldn't recommend that. That's not healthy. Okay? Just saying. How about how about generosity just involving being interested in somebody? You know, it, it, again, I I've said this before. And I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it again and again and again. Um I I oftentimes I will have people come to me and say, "Um, hey, I haven't seen so and so in church in a while." Now, Most of the time, not always, but most of the time, I know what's going on in 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 their lives, you know, because I try my best to keep up with everybody. But most of the time, I will say this to you: give them a call. Because a call from you means a whole lot more than a call from me. Invest time. See, ultimately, generosity is about investing yourself in other people. And in reality, financial generosity is the cheapest form of generosity. Because if I can throw a few bucks at it, I'm off the hook. But if I have to invest myself in it, then I become part of it. So, in reality, financial generosity should be the last resort. But it's often our first response, because it's the easiest response. <clears throat> first John chapter three, verses sixteen to eighteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. That's called investment. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What is that called? Investment. But whosoever hath the world's goods and seeth his brother uh, have need and shut up up his bowels of uh, compassion from him, how dwelleth, the love of God in him. Now I want to I want to stop here before we go to the last verse. I want to talk about this. This there's a phrase here, the bowels of compassion. That is that is a phrase that we don't normally use today. But the idea of bowels of compassion. Anybody well, let, let me explain it to you this way. Back in the day, before, you know, we we understand Madison a whole lot better than they did back then. But in the Bible, whenever you see the word bowels, <clears throat> we, we understand what bowels are, okay? <laughs> and we think, wow, that's kind of disgusting, okay? Bowels of compassion, yuck. But you have to understand the day. They thought back then that the bowels were the innermost part of who we are. And, 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 and they're thinking you could not get any more compassion than to have the bowels of compassion. That, that thing that is deep down inside you, the innermost part of who you are, that is the kind of compassion that we need. The most deep, rooted compassion that we can muster, that is what this is talking Verse 18, my little children, let us <clears throat> not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Again, investment. Investment. Our generosity is a true revealer of the love of God in our lives. How we distribute or exhibit generosity is a direct reflection of the love of God in our lives or the lack of love of God in our lives. Number one, generosity. <clears throat> Number two, look at verse 13. Again, <clears throat> distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. <clears throat> Letter B, hospitality. We look at this word hospitality and we can often think, oh, I've got this one. I, 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 <clears throat> I like to have people over at our, my house and I like to entertain and 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 so on and so forth. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, the, the, the truth is I've got some bad news for you. That's, that's not what this word means. Not, it doesn't mean to be friendly and to have your friends over and to grill out and to do this or do that. that, that that's not what this word means. Biblical hospitality literally means to entertain strangers. Again, you, you have to understand the culture. You know, back when this was written, there were no hotels. There were, there were no uh, comfort suites or, you, you know, <laughs> you know there, there wasn't. And so when Christians would, would travel from city to city, other Christians would invite them into their homes and say, you know, basically say, come stay with us. And that's how Christians, again, the context here is Christians, not the unsaved world. So Christians would, would, they would travel to a city and and, uh, the believers in that city would say, hey, you come stay with us and and so on and so forth. And and oftentimes, the, the idea of hospitality would be housing and feeding perfect strangers. And you think, wait a minute, oh, there's no way in the world I could do that. Well, I'm here to tell you that's what biblical hospitality is about. There are people that we naturally gravitate to. People that we that we like or or whatever, people that we have things in common. It is natural for us to surround ourselves with people that we are, quote-unquote, comfortable with. If you understand biblical hospitality, it will force you to get out of your comfort zone and to, to invite people into your home that you would not necessarily normally invite into your home. For some of us, that is a huge, scary proposition. But think about the day and time that this was written. It was a necessity. But that necessity has not changed. Because do we not, as a family, need each other? Whether we have things in common or not, we still need each other. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Why do you think he had to use the word grudging there? Do you think, you think he's trying to pull teeth here? It says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good shepherds of the manifold grace of God. I'm, I'm here to tell you this and get a hold of this. Biblical hospitality involves God's grace. Because <clears throat> we can't do it on our own. We don't want to do it on our own. Let me ask you a question. Who have you had over to your home recently to just fellowship with? If it is, if it is somebody who you are totally comfortable with and you like, that's good. But try reaching out to someone that you don't know very well. Because we all need fellowship. It's a part of who 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 or not who. It is a part of how God made us. Number three. <clears throat> so we we've talked about generosity. We've talked about hospitality. Let's talk about something even more difficult. Empathy. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a that that is a hard one for a, a lot of us. E- em- empathy is Empathy is something that many of us struggle with. Let me let me try and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't tell you what I'm seeing out here. Because I'm on I'm online right now. So yeah, I, I don't want to call names. That would not be good. <clears throat> the dictionary. The dictionary defines empathy like this. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now, some of us, this is a big stretch. You, you could tell that by how many people were laughing a minute ago. But it doesn't change the fact that it is a tool that God has given us in our relationships with others. Look at verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. The ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Now, have you ever heard somebody say to you or maybe you've said to someone that's going through a, a, a tragic loss and their response is, I know what you're going through. And and the reality is they, they really don't. And you want to slap them. Okay, just, just saying, okay. But what are they trying to do? They're trying to be empathetic to the best of their ability. And, what, and, 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 and in essence, what they're trying to say is, I'm doing the best I can to feel your pain. Now, as a pastor, I, I've, I've learned never to say that to somebody who's going through something very traumatic. You know, I've just learned not to do that. But that's what we're supposed to do. And the reality is, if we are empathetic, if we can show empathy in somebody's life, then generosity and hospitality are easy. I have no trouble if I am, if I am showing empathy for somebody who, who has lost a loved one or is going through something very traumatic. I have no problem going and just sitting and listening to them dump on me. See, it's all interconnected. Too often we see life through the lens of how is this event going to affect me? That's generally how we look at things. And we fail to consider how this particular issue or situation might be affecting other people. We only we tend to only look at it through the lens of how it's going to affect me. And when we are empathetic, when we, when we are dis- d- displaying empathy in our lives, <clears throat> it is a supernatural concept. But this morning, we're not talking about what is natural. Nat, the natural man says, hey, you dug your hole, live with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many, of we, how many of us have ever thought that? Hey, you, you're the one, you're the one dug the hole, you jump in, have a happy life, I'm out of here. Okay? That, that's, how, that's how, honestly, that's how a lot of people live. You reap what you sow. And that's our attitude. That is the natural man. The supernatural man has empathy. Okay? Hey, you dug the hole. You're, you're, it's your fault you're there. But what can I do to help? Not, I'm not saying, hey, what can I do to get you out of there? But what can I do to help? Because the reality is this. We have all dug holes, have we not? We've all done it. We've all made mistakes. But what does God do? God lets us wallow around in that hole for a little while, but he never stops loving us. Empathy empathy again is a supernatural phenomena that when we can dist- to um display empathy in our lives it goes against everything in our person it, it, some some sometimes some sometimes it does. Sometimes the and, and and this is this is important. Empathy can only be displayed if you would during tragic times. Uh, let me give you an example. I most of you know that I'm a chaplain with the Lyon County Sheriff's Department. You know they have yet to call me out when somebody has when somebody in the community has a baby and everybody's happy they've never called me out to say hey come and come and rejoice with us do you know when they call me when 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 there's a death when there's a tragic situation why because the last people on the face of the earth that have the ability to show empathy are police officers. They, it is not in their DNA. But when a family needs empathy, what do they do? They call the chaplain. And my, that's my job, to go in the midst of a horrible, horrible situation. I've been in situations you can't even Imagine. It's supernatural. Empathy can be the key to unlock many struggles. Understanding our spouses can take empathy. Because, I, I you know, I, I said this a few weeks ago, if you haven't figured it out, I know this is a big shock, men and women are different. Okay? I know that's I know that's a shock for you, but see what what happens oftentimes is we understand we know and the fact that everybody's laughing knows that you've tried to figure it out the wrong way. But see, it takes empathy to understand that God has made us different. Understanding our children. Is it, 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 it takes supernatural ability to understand a teenager. Just saying, we got a we got to-be mom over here. Hey, enjoy it while you can. <laughs> Under, understanding understanding strained relationships, understanding difficult situations that you're in. That, that is one of the tools that God gives us to understanding all those things. But, but empathy is not just to unlock understanding in our lives, but it is also to unlock compassion and kindness. And I could go on with more adjectives, but I think you understand. Empathy is the key that unlocks a flood of Emotions in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not <clears throat> rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but count count Con- yes, thank you. Contrary rise, blessing. In other words, it's not natural to in those situations. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should in, uh, inherit a blessing. One night, while <clears throat> conducting an evangelistic meeting in the Salvation Uh, the Salvation Army Citadel in Chicago, Booth Tucker preached on the empathy of Jesus. After his message, a a man approached him and said, if your wife had just died, like mine has, and your babies are crying for their mother, who will never come back, you wouldn't be able to say what you're saying. Tragically, a few days later, Tucker's wife was killed in the train wreck. Her body was brought back to Chicago and carried into the same citadel for the funeral. After the service, the bereaved preacher looked down into the silent face of his wife and then turned to those attending. And this is what he said. The other day, a man told me I wouldn't be able to... to speak on the empathy of Jesus if my wife had died. If that man is here, I want to tell him that Christ is sufficient. My heart is broken, but it is, but it has a song put there by Jesus. I want that man to know that Jesus Christ speaks comfort to me today. Empathy is supernatural. Jesus is the perfect example of empathy for us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we have an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. Like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's nothing, there's nothing that you will experience this side of heaven that Jesus did not deal with. You say, but Pastor, he lived so many years ago and life is so much different. Hey, there's nothing new under the sun. He was betrayed by his friends. You, you talk about any imaginable bad relationship combination, he went through it. Empathy. And then tool number four. Let's, let's talk about tool number four. You're going to like this one probably even less. Verse 16, we see tool number four. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but condescend to <clears throat> men of low estate. Be not wise in thine own conceit. conceit. Tool number four, Humility humility Again, Jesus is our greatest example of humility. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8 says, let, a, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant." And the word servant there just doesn't mean slave, but the lowest of lowest slaves. We, we see that, that word being played out when he washed the feet of his disciples. The, the foot washer in that day was the, was the lowest of lowest servants and took upon him the form of a foot washing servant and was made in the likeness of men And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humility. Appetite says, be lavished and enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful and expand yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied Please yourself. Psychology says, be confident, fulfill yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Humanism says, be capable, believe in yourself. God says, be wise and humble yourself. Peter helps us with this idea of humility. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 through 7. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Can you imagine what our world, what our country would look like if Christians today would humble themselves before an almighty God? Could be this morning you're sitting there thinking, Oh, I have no problem with humility. I'm I'm humble. Well you just you just lost it, okay? <laughs> That's called pride. Okay, just saying. <laughs> but what does it mean to humble? Again, all of these things, these tools, the the characteristics that God's giving us here in Romans chapter 12—they're all progressive. And I want to—I want to go back. I want to review the—the the four tools that we've talked about and the progression of them. First, we started talking about generosity, and for the most part, many of us are not going to struggle a whole lot with generosity because. We, you know, we want to be kind. We want to help other people. But generosity moves into hospitality, and now, 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 Pastor, you're you're getting into the gray area. Okay, I I don't want perfect strangers, or I don't want people that. You know, I only want to surround myself with people that I think I will like. That's called living in a bubble, by the way. Okay. So we start to, we get, you know, generosity, okay, we got generosity. Hospitality, we're kind of on the fence, okay. Empathy, are you serious? But see, you can't have humility without the other three. See, we we can play the humility game all day long. But in reality, if we're going to be empathetic it is only going to be because we humble ourselves and allow the grace of God to take over in our lives. See, all, all, three, all four of these are, are progressive, but they're also interconnected, are they not? Because think about this for a second. Can we truly be generous if we're not empathetic in, in, in humility can we can we truly truly be generous without humility let me ask you the flip side of the coin can other people be generous to me if I'm not truly humble because what happens when somebody wants to do something generous to me pride kicks in. Oh, I don't I don't need it. I got I've got it covered. See, it's all interconnected. And it takes humility on my part for somebody to show empathy to me. And hospitality and generosity. See, it's all interconnected. four different tools that God gives us to help us in our relationships. Four different tools that will help us understand not only who other people are, but understand who we are. Because way too often, we underestimate who we are. And we we read this list And we go, okay, I got that. But do we really? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the word of God that pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us and that you would help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. Lord, you've been so good to us, so kind and gracious. And Lord, I ask as we contemplate your working in our hearts and our lives, This morning, I ask that you would challenge us in areas in our lives that we may not be comfortable in. Lord, I ask that you would force us out of our comfort zones so that we can live supernatural lives that would be well-pleasing to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, God working in your heart and your life? Is there something, and I talked about a lot of things, it could be anything, but is there something that God is doing in your life and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God is working in my life. Would you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand. Amen. could be someone would be, would say pastor the truth is i I've, I've never accepted jesus christ as my savior but i need to so anybody who would say would pastor would you pray for me also If that's you just lift your hand and i'll pray for you for you as well